Hi and welcome, my name's Rob Scott from UC Today, bringing you the latest news and conversation from the Unified Communications, Collaboration and CX Industries. So today's talk is centred on the next generation of contact centres and to help explore this topic, I'm joined by Omar Tawakal, who's the VP and GM for Cisco Contact Centre. Welcome, Omar. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks for joining me, Omar, and uh, a pleasure to meet you. Um, I'm really keen to just, first of all, kick this session off with just a, you know, finding a little bit more out about yourself. Uh, could you tell us, uh, you know, how you've uh, come to be the VP and GM at uh, Cisco Contact Center, please? Yeah, I, I had a really interesting journey in the sense that uh, I had uh, built a company that was an AI company, and it was uh, my second company uh, that I had built that ended up being acquired by, you know, a large one. The first one was Oracle. Uh, and this AI company uh, had a goal in life, which is to help you attend fewer meetings uh, by making sure that your meetings let you focus on the people that you were talking to, that you capture the action items and the notes so that you didn't have to worry about note taking and get distracted and then help you kind of update, you know, uh, systems of record uh, for you, almost like it was an admin. So we built an assistant, an enterprise voice assistant that got acquired and is now the WebEx in-meeting assistant that helps with closed captioning and note taking and highlights and such. So, uh, but the interesting thing is, as soon as I came into Cisco, the management team approached me and said, hey, we have this uh, very good contact center business uh, that is still dominantly on-prem and the move to cloud is gonna happen fast and furious. And so we'd like you to accelerate how fast we move to the cloud and to imbue AI into that contact center. And so, uh, so I became the GM of the contact center business. And uh, it's been a fascinating ride. Uh, prior to this, I had never managed any business that had any portion of on-premise software. I have my entire career only been in the cloud and only been in you know data-driven and more recently AI kind of uh, SaaS uh, uh, situations. So it, it, it's, it's been a great ride. Great stuff. And, you know, Cisco talk a lot about the, the next generation contact center nowadays. So I'm keen to hear kind of from you, you know, what is your vision? Where, where are you heading with the contact center at Cisco? You know, even before getting to my vision, I, I think there's something we can all draw on our intuition that if you all of a sudden were found, found yourself as the, the GM of this business, what would you do? Uh, and just draw on your intuition. You contact contact centers all the time. And what is it that you like or dislike about that, right? So uh, let me list a few. So you call and sometimes you're put on a hold and where you listen to some you know lovely elevator music. Uh, you probably don't like that part. Uh, you get through and all of a sudden, you know, you have to verify who you are and remind them of who you are. And if they transfer you to somebody else, then you have to repeat yourself. You probably don't enjoy, you know, repeating yourself. Uh, and if they solve your problem or not, if you've had an interaction where they're not polite uh, or didn't really understand the issue, you didn't enjoy that. So it gives you a pretty good clue uh, over, you know, what you don't like. Now, what do you like? Well, think about when you ask for help from your best friend, you know, they know you, they know what you need to do next. They know how to make you smile. So really, if you want to look at the vision of the contact center, it's very simple. Contact centers have become very efficient at taking a bunch of inbound questions and trying to answer them cost effectively. 
What they're missing is giving a delightful experience, making a business operate like your friend would operate. So make it easy for me to reach the contact center the way I want to. So if you look at people nowadays, they don't always want to get on the call or on the phone. They might want to just text you. They might want to use WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or Apple Business Chat. So you need to let people reach you the way they want. You need to remember who they are and what they did before they got to that call. You need to not make them sit in long wait times and you need to educate your agent base so that they can all answer the same questions and be polite about it. Uh, that is kind of the crux of this next generation is really focusing on the end consumer experience and making it a beautiful one, not just an efficient one. So that, that would be a high level on what we need to change in the context. In terms of how that impacts Cisco, um, there's a couple of underlying themes that you probably gathered from my answer. Uh, the first one is really being truly omnichannel, right? Uh, so Cisco came to a very strong position in this industry being you know, voice routing, doing it better than anybody else. You have more agents in the United States on contact centers on a Cisco platform than any other company anywhere. But channel preferences have changed. And so we need to be good at omni-channel. So we had to rebuild everything from an omni-channel perspective to make it uh, fully centric there. The other thing that's really changed in the industry is businesses' expectations on how fast they can change the workflow. Do they need to wait till next year's upgrade? Do they talk to their partner to do it through professional services? In today's world, the answer is, I need to be able to do it today myself. Um, and so that is another change that we've invested very heavily uh, in allowing. Uh, and the last kind of uh, uh, part of our, our vision here is that if you look at agents, why did they take the job? They didn't take the job because they wanna run away from customer interactions. They like customer interactions. A lot of these folks are extroverted. They get their energy from doing that. They just don't wanna open up 20 different applications and fumble through looking through answers. They don't like the systems. So we have to really focus on creating an extensible, simple agent experience that looks familiar to them because a lot of these agents are younger and spend time in Snapchat and interfaces like that. And so we needed to really modernize and make extensible a new UI from them. I mean, that gives you a sense of really what, what's been keeping us busy. Wow, lots happening. And, you know, transformation at Cisco, I imagine as well, uh, not just for the customer, but for, for the contact center team. Um, so it's all moving to the cloud. I think that's an obvious one. Um, you know, we, we do have this legacy, unfortunately, of on-premises on solutions. And you know, I'm sure many will dig their heels in, but there's lots of good things to be had from the cloud-based contact center solutions out there, like Cisco Contact Center. Um, so talk to me about um, kind of the kinds of technologies that maybe are available in the new world of uh, cloud contact centers that aren't available in, uh, in, in the on-premises world. Because I'm, I'm hearing things about super agents and, and it sounds pretty interesting. Oh, super agents is a fascinating development. You know, we, uh, my company was acquired uh, and one of the reasons was to imbue aspects of speech conversational AI, uh, not just in meetings, but in different parts of the CTG, but Cisco went out and acquired several other companies. Recently, we announced Babel Labs uh, for noise detection and increasing, uh, in increasing the quality of the speech inputs. Uh, in addition to that, we had MindMeld, which does intent detection 
and uh, a company which builds a people graph so that you know more about the people who are participating. So essentially all of these uh, had the goal of transforming the contact center. Now there's two ways AI can transform a business. One is to automate out the humans and the other is to augment the humans. I love that second one. The idea that you can fuse AI with people to make people uh, do their jobs faster, uh, better, more accurately. Think of the um, kind of exoskeleton idea uh, or um, uh, I'm forgetting our superhero that, that I wanted to bring out, uh, Iron Man. Uh, those kinds of concepts of augmentation, I think they'll be uh, more common and, you know, less cumbersome looking. You won't have to wear a suit to 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 get that augmentation. So specifically, how does that help the contact center? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how does it help the contact center? The first part uh, is that you use uh, virtual agents to automate away the really simple stuff that you don't need a human to handle over and over and over, like answering for the nearest uh, location or an address or hours of operation, all that you can handle with a voice bot, allowing people to flexibly talk, say what they need, instead of answering, if you want this, press one, if you want this, press 32, right? None of that. You can just have conversational IVR and the system can come in and answer you without human intervention. The next thing that happens though, to go more to this concept of augmentation and super agents is that you, if you need to escalate to a human because they think they, they ask for really does need a human, first off, you need to transfer contacts. So the transcript of the interaction with the voice bot has to go to the human so that they can quickly read it and not make the person repeat themselves. Remember when I was talking about what people hate? They hate repeating themselves three times. So, that's right. So yeah. pass off the contacts to the human and they get on the phone. They're like, I see that you're trying to book a, a trip to Palm Springs and couldn't find the flight time that you wanted out of San Jose, something like that, right? Which is great. Now the person feels great, I've been heard. They're gonna help me. Um, next thing that happens is the super agent technology is listening to the rest of the conversation. And one of the big problems people, people also dislike, uh, even the agents dislike this, is that when the agent doesn't quite know what to do, what do they do? They put you on hold. And hold time can be quite a large percentage of your interaction with that agent. So when you have an AI working in the background, it heard the conversation and it basically matched to previous resolved cases that were successful and knowledge base articles. And before the agent has put you up on hold, it pops up an answer to the agent and basically says, hey, here's what you could do. And now what's beautiful about that is that it doesn't pop up the answer to the end consumer. It pops it up to the agent so the agent can use their own skill set to decide if it likes the answer or not. And now you get the more accurate fusion of human and AI together. So then the agent can say, oh, it looks like we have a trip that you could take that comes out of San Francisco. Is that okay for you? By the way, San Francisco airport, San Jose airport, only at 40 minutes apart may be okay for the end consumer. And they saw that many consumers took this option before. They didn't have to put you on hold. The consumer says yes, and you move on. So super agent technology essentially is giving you the best of the AI and the human, but the interaction between the consumer and the agent is still 100% human to human. So we think this is really, really impactful. Now, this is not theory. We announced this uh, back in February. 
And we've had huge uptick since then. Customers have deployed it because of the pandemic. We had situations where, remember, a particular state government used to get 2 million uh, calls and chats a week in a particular week because of the pandemic. They had to reject 93% of them. Can you imagine the frustration for the citizens? They worked with us and Google, and we were able to get them to accept 100% of it, handle the volume, even able to handle you know, 40,000 uh, calls and interactions after hours. Like we were still doing business for them. And this just radically changed their ability to serve their citizens. And this is happening over and over. This is not theory. 2020 has been a fantastic year for the emergence of virtual agents and super agents and how they change how you staff the contact center. Well, that really is game changing. And so I'd like to kind of jump on to kind of something else that I've heard that Cisco's you know, very uh, uh, keen on at the moment as well is this kind of concept of programmability in the contact center or the programmable contact center. Um, how or how are Cisco kind of addressing that kind of ongoing trend uh, of their kind of low code, no code solutions that, that uh, are out there? Yeah, so uh, if we look at the spectrum of programmability, um, the worst place you can possibly be in is you've got an on-prem solution and you plan to upgrade it over a year and a million dollars involving yourself, your partner, and the vendor that does the on-prem solution. That's a very painful space to be. Uh, the next up is you have a cloud solution where they deploy cloud uh, kind of uh, upgrades more often. Uh, but you have to wait till there's some sort of configurability in an admin panel that lets you do something. So faster, good. One level faster than that is the API first world where the vendors are continually updating the APIs and all you have to do is having a developer on your end free up and start working with that API to do what they want. That is much, much faster and is essentially is uh, kind of the, the state of the art. But there is one thing that's even faster than that and it's what you refer to, which is the low code, no code movement, which is in the API world, you have to have a developer free up to work on that API to deliver something for you. So fast, but it could be faster if a business ops person who doesn't know code can just log into a system now immediately and say, oh, we've figured out how to automate this particular workflow. Let me put a voice bot here, put it on screen and take its input, put it into a queue of bots. And if it doesn't resolve, let me put it into a queue of human uh, interaction and do an escalation. And let me set that live now, right? That idea that a business ops person can without developer intervention, alter the workflow uh, immediately, it just is gonna change the speed of business. And the reason I find that's important is that you have to take a, a view of a contact center uh, which is that people don't call contact centers to complain about contact centers. Something somewhere went wrong. So one way of looking at your interaction with that consumer is, oh, how fast did I solve it? But that doesn't really solve the problem because the downstream problem that was causing people to have to call you hasn't been solved by you getting this person off the phone. So if you're able to understand those issues and change the environments and the workflows so that people don't have to get stuck into calling you in the first place, that would be great. Low code, no code solutions bring to bear uh, a lot more of the business ops people and not just the developers. And I think, you know, if you look at the history of technology where it becomes interesting, it always becomes interesting when you widen the number of people it appeals to. 
So for example, you went from, you know, the PC to the Mac, it became easy for everybody to jump in. You know, you went to the uh, iPhone. Now a large percentage of all humanity can engage uh, in, uh, in smartphones. It's the same kind of concept here, broadening the number of people who can make a contact center better, faster. Excellent. So I'm, I'm guessing a key ingredient to this, and we just talked about the super agents, uh, is data, isn't it? And, the, and those APIs, I'm assuming, really help you know connect those data pots into the contact center. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at um, you know recent acquisitions of companies like Segment, they all are getting at that core issue, which is data and context. Uh, in order for me not to repeat myself. Uh, you're going to have to connect data assets that come from different systems that didn't come from inside the contact center. For example, if you're on a pharmacy site, you see a coupon, you like it, you click on it, you put something in your basket, but it doesn't let you check out. Uh, that type of data doesn't typically sit in a contact center. And that idea of data centralization already hit a previous industry. Actually, I ran a company that did something precisely like this that became uh, one of the, the biggest in the context in the marketing uh, advertising area and Oracle acquired it. it was called Blue Kai. And that was its goal was data centralization to drive marketing across uh, all the systems. That same trend is happening in the contact center segments, an example uh, of that. There's a whole industry called CDPs um, that uh, customer data platforms that started with marketing, but are beginning to impact the contact center. Watch this space. It's going to be very interesting. Mm, indeed, it is. It, it, it is very interesting, isn't it? And I think it's uh, the possibilities are, are also endless. So in terms of kind of how you are taking the portfolio to market, um, you know, in the cloud, does that mean uh, that you can serve more than just the enterprise? Because traditionally, Cisco's been an enterprise player, isn't it, in the in the contact center? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the beauties of Cisco is it has a fantastic partner ecosystem, and uh, those partners, you know, specialize in different corners of the market. So you have, you know, ones who focus on SMB, one is mid market, one at the top of the market, and because of our partnership with those in the ecosystem, we were able to address the entire market and we tailor our products a little bit differently. So we have a, a super high scale, high end uh, offering called uh, um, WebXCCE, which targets the enterprise. Uh, and there are a certain number of partners who would focus on that. And then we have, you know, WebXCC, which we're, you know, uh, going to talk about some really, really interesting new stuff coming up in a few weeks. Uh, which is uh, goes up to large customers, but it also serves you know mid market and smaller customers. And we have other partners who focus on that part of the ecosystem. So we really do have a fantastic, uh, very large uh, partner ecosystem that makes it possible for us to have a different go to market motion at a different part of the market. Fantastic, thank you. And you know what's coming up next for Cisco Contact Center? Oh, I'm, I, I wish I could tell you everything that's coming up next. Uh, join us at WebEx One on December 8th, and you're going to hear us announce some very significant moves that we're making in the contact center space. I'm really excited about it. Please join us uh, and uh, register for that conference, WebEx One. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really looking forward to the event. Um, great lineup of speakers I see as well, and it uh, sounds like you've got some some surprises for us in store. So yes, good luck for that. And uh, you know, Omar, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been great to see you. Thank you, Rob. I enjoyed the conversation. Have a wonderful day.
And that's it from us. If you've enjoyed today's session, please do give us a quick like or share on social. It's always appreciated. But for now, I'm Rob Scott from UC Today. Thanks for watching.